Last part in our series here on unshakable faith. So uh, this is part five, and uh, boy, January has been pretty interesting, huh? You know, you talk about uh, preaching on unshakable faith and, and seeing what January has uh, thrown down, down the, the way. Uh, just, just to bring us a little bit of reminder, we started off this series talking about faith foundations, understanding faith from God's perspective. Biblically, how does God want us to operate in faith, uh, to know what it is, how to grow in faith, how to walk out our faith. And then in the next couple of weeks, we dealt with uh, how do you deal with doubt? How do you deal with failure? Uh, understanding those those are two bigger areas that can uh, make people shaky if we don't again, remember who God is and, and know his, his faithfulness and his promises and then last week we spoke about enemies to our faith, things that if we get the wrong understanding, uh, if we uh, don't understand it from kingdom perspective, things that could be enemies that could undermine our faith and, and, and make it shaky. And so we're really going to kind of pull everything together this morning. I want to say the message today is probably a little more uh, contemplative, uh, a little more reflective. I, I just think that's the way it's going to unfold. But I wanted to tie together some things that we didn't specifically look at in these last several weeks. So there might be a little bit of overlap. But what I really want to get at here today uh, is, okay, so what are some final things we can think of um, on how to be unshakable when storms, trials, crucibles, when those seasons come our way, how can we stay unshakable? Uh, we, we could put it this way. This is that we, we wanted this to be a part of the series. What happens when life throws you a curveball? You know, and how do we stay uh, on solid footing with the Lord walking through that scenario? So I want to just say in the front end, um, first and foremost, we have to be filled with the Word of God. We need to know God's character. We need to know God's perspective on whatever the area is that we're dealing with. That's where being able to stand in strong faith comes. Amen? So, so I want you to understand that starting place where we're working from. But I want to look at some things here today on, all right, so how, how do we navigate going through and what happens when this curveball comes from left field for us? It can be very easy to be blindsided by storms, by trials, by crucibles. And uh, we have to see them correctly and stay in a place of unshakable faith. Uh, when, when we talk about something being a trial, the Bible talks about fiery trials. And when we talk about something being a crucible, a crucible is a place where we get crushed and what's inside comes out. Usually it's with a lot of pressure and a lot of heat, and just speaking honestly about it, uh, it doesn't feel all that great to be in the crucible. It's, it's not necessarily something that's fun that we say, yay, we get to do this. But we're going to talk now just uh, about some, some thoughts, some truths about having unshakable faith when we're in the storm or the trial or the crucible. Amen? Oh, that was kind of weak. Amen? All right, all right. And I need a participation here today. All right, so number one, people of unshakable faith realize that storms, trials, and crucibles are not strange to the believer. When it comes down the road, what is the first reaction many times that we want to have? What in the world? Why this? Why me? Why now? 
right? And yet we can read, uh, let's look at it in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you, right? So when the, the storm comes out of left field, you know, it, the, the first reaction from God's perspective isn't supposed to be, Lord, what's up? But instead, it's, oh, okay, you, you know, storms and trials, they're going to come. Now, uh, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Right? So we understand that there's a natural persecution that comes maybe in the workplace. You know, there, there's some ungodly atmosphere and culture there. And, you know, you're there as a believer and you're living righteously. And you want to know what? A lot of times people will, will feel this thing toward a believer. They're saying, I don't know why I can't stand this person. It's, 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 their, it's the Lord in you that they can't stand. You know, and so there's this natural persecution. And of course, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? We're not going back. But but we realize there's something spiritual behind the scenes there that in that persecution. Sometimes the persecution as it comes, it's not even with flesh and blood. Can you say amen? Sometimes it's oppression. Sometimes there's just, you know, have you ever had where you're saying, why do I feel so heavy? And, and you, you can't put your finger on what's going on. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> hey, this is an attack. I get it, right? And, and then I, I, I posture with the Lord to pray and to worship and to, to stand in faith. But the first thing we need to understand about trials, crucibles, and storms is they're not uncommon and we shouldn't be surprised by them. All right, second thing, people with unshakable faith are storm prepped. So in light of the first point, you, you know, not only is it, okay, this is not strange, but it's, hey, and I'm ready for this. You know, I, I'm not knocked on my tail, but I realize uh, that, that this is a part of the deal. But Jesus told me, and every, because I'm founded on the word and I know God's character, God tells me it may be a storm, but I get to win because I'm walking it through with him and I overcome with him because he's living on the inside, right? So Hebrews 11:7. 7, th this is neat. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, Moved with godly fear, that's, that's a reverential awe of God. Prepared an ark. He prepared. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So again, this picture of Noah just saying, Lord, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to trust you. I don't see any of this around me here, but I'm going to be ready. I'm going to do what you told me to do when this storm comes. First Thessalonians 5, uh, this is verses 6 and 8. It says, so then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. But since we belong to the day, let us, this is verse 8 now, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So there's a readiness that God wants us to walk in, a soberness, an alertness, you know. Uh, I, I can remember during training, uh, learning how to fly, uh, I had to learn emergency procedures, you know, and I learned them in ground school. And they're, what do you do if the engine uh, fails and all these different things, you know? So, you know, I read through and I said, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, good, good. And then I can remember being in the air with my instructor doing other maneuvers and him pulling back on the throttle and saying, uh-oh, engine out. Okay, land the plane. 
you know, and uh, because I knew there were emergency procedures but wasn't prepared by them, uh, everything went out, and I was, uh, 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 what do I do, what do I do, what do I do, as we got lower and lower and lower, and, and uh, let's just say, thank God that was just an exercise, and that wasn't real, because I, I wouldn't have fared very well, but that was a part of the training of recognizing I have to be prepared, and I can remember times later on down the road where all of a sudden, you know, we're doing something, he'd say, okay, engine out, what do you do, and I'd say, all right, I'm looking for a field where I can land, I'm pulling back on, you know, so I can get best glide speed, slow my power down, you know, and, and start to get things all ready. It became something that just happened because I had, I had worked out being prepared. There's other times where uh, he, he would say, um, you, you know, they have what, what are called lost procedures. And, and let me just ask, have you ever gotten clipped, blindsided by a storm or a trial, and you didn't know which way was up? Right? You're just sitting there saying, where am I? What day is it? What's going on? You know? So the, the lost procedures, you know, they're, they're the three C's. You know? So you'll climb so you can get better visibility. You'll conserve your fuel and you'll communicate. If you don't know these, the three C's that you do is complain, cry, carry on, complain, carry on, cuss, whichever, you know, however you want to look at that. That's all the what fills in the gap when, when you're not prepared, right? So, so we we're number one, recognizing that storms are going to come. Many times uh, they are storms that come not because we've done anything amiss, but they come because we're doing everything right. And yet in that, God says, but don't be surprised. Don't be shaken. Don't let your faith be shaken. This doesn't mean I left you. This doesn't mean I'm not near. This is just part of how it goes on, but we need to live in a place of preparedness so that we don't get knocked out in the process. All right, a third truth. Uh, people with unshakable faith will find meaning and strength in the adversity. In other words, they'll say, okay, God, what is the meaning that you want assigned to this? Right? Have you ever heard this expression? The problem is not the problem. The enemy wants the problem to be the problem. God is interested in something much bigger in our lives. He wants to show himself strong. He wants to show his word to be true. He wants us to grow in character and looking like him. He wants to get glorified in our lives. So when we make this decision that I'm going to find meaning and strength, you know, sometimes we're looking and we're saying, I don't know how to connect these dots. You know, and if we get too wrapped up in that, we miss, wait a minute, Lord, what is the meaning that you want to assign to this? What is it, uh, how is it that I can lean into you for my strength during this situation? So I, I would say to us, this quality will distinguish the overcomer from the defeated person more than any other quality. You know, it, it, it releases us from being bound to the circumstances, and it releases us to see God has a bigger picture, even if we don't know what that bigger picture is. You know, we could say, God, I trust you. I know you. I know your character. You know, a couple of for instances, right, uh, from the life of Paul. Paul and Silas, they're doing everything right. They're doing everything they know to do, uh, preaching the gospel, being faithful to the Lord, walking everything out. And here they are. They're in prison. You know, and while they're in prison, their, their response is to not uh, carry on, cuss, and complain, right? Instead, they're, they're like, uh, we're going to just worship God. And so just worship of the Lord just pours out of their hearts, and they're just singing, just, just lifting up their voices to God. And heaven comes down in that prison, and the place is shaken. And there winds up becoming salvations that come out of this experience because they had decided to assign, what was the meaning they were going to assign? God is 
was worthy no matter what right? I don't know what the outcome is. You know, Daniel and, and uh, uh, in the book of Daniel, the three Hebrew children that wouldn't bow to the statue, they were, they were going to be thrown in the fiery furnace, you know, and they had said, our God is well able, well able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. They had decided to have their strength in the Lord. Their, what was the meaning they assigned to that? God is worthy of all praise no matter what. No matter what my circumstances are trying to show me. And then God did what God does. He, God came in and he overcame. He did the impossible in those circumstances showing himself strong. Right? How about Paul when uh, he's on the ship being transported and, and he's shipwrecked? You know, rather than being, you know, so now he's on the island, uh, island of Malta, right? And rather than just sitting here thinking of, man, I got places to be. God told me I'm going to minister to, you know, before Caesar and all of this. Uh, let's get on with it. Instead, he took a look around and he said, all right, so what, what meaning is there to this? And there was a tribe of people there and he got to pray for, uh, for healing. And there's, there's a revival that winds up happening all because he chose to say, God, uh, I'm going to look for what you want to do in this and I'm going to let you be my strength. Can you say amen? We, we never know what God has in the bigger picture. So again, I want, I want you to hear this in the context of our balancing statements. You know, we know his character, we know his nature, and then we so fill on his word, we're so full of his word that, that, that we can take what's in hope and bring it down into reality. But then as we walk that out in the natural, that's what I'm talking about today, the curveball. But what, wait a minute, none of this maps up with what he said. Well, well, then we choose to say, I'll walk after what he said. And in that, if we'll make the decision, now I'm going to find meaning and purpose. You know, I'm being persecuted. I, I got a, you, you know, uh, in, in my job situation, this happened and, and I don't get why that went down that way. What is it that you have for me now, Lord? What is it that you want to do in this moment? Can you say Amen. So, you know, when negative things happen, the unshakable person uh, says, I'll find fresh purpose and resolve. The one who's shaken will let themselves become the victim, right? We don't want to give into that. That is so easy in the flesh uh, to do. Um, John 16, again, Jesus said, you know, Jesus is sharing these challenging things that are coming. And he says, hey, I've told you things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. That's the whole context and picture. Uh, another thought here, people with unshakable faith uh, will purposely enlarge their pain capacity. That might sound like, wait, wait a minute, what, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean by that? If, if we live our lives, storms oftentimes will cause us to want to get out from under the discomfort as quick as possible. Can you say amen? Right? Oftentimes the crucible, we said, what is that? There's a crushing, there's a pressure, there's a fire. And, and we as human beings, especially welcome to our modern American culture, how can I just feel better as quick as possible? If we'll make the decision, you know what, I'm going to let God by his grace broaden my shoulders, I, I will be willing to walk through the discomfort. I will be willing to walk through the unknown and the, the circumstances that seem unstable. I'll be, I'll be willing to walk that through if it means walking it with the Lord and his promises and his provision. Can you say amen? amen. Paul had said, uh, I want to know 
you, you know, Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. He didn't shrink back from, there's going to be times where it's painful. You know, so maybe, maybe God's at work in your life and he's, he's calling you to a, a new place in him. Maybe the pain is, man, I, I can't relate to the people that have been my inner circle the same way anymore. I'm seeing from God's perspective. They're not so much seeing it that way. I got the pain of loneliness. I got the pain of being misunderstood. I've got the pain of, of uh, a feeling like people are sort of abandoning me. See what I'm talking about? But making the decision of saying, but you want to know what, Lord? I, I'm not going to let that pain drive me away from walking out the path that you called me to walk through because I will get to the other side of the pain. I will get to the other side where there is the breakthrough. It's getting quieter in here because I know this isn't comfortable to talk about, right? No, brother, please talk to me more about pain and, and, and wanting to stretch in that pain, right? But didn't, didn't Paul say, hey, plenty or lack, you know, clothed or naked, persecuted at peace, whatever it is, whatever the circumstance, man, I'm good. I'm good with the Lord. Not that he's good in doing without God's best. That's not what he's saying there. He's saying when it's not good, and it's painful, I know God's got me. And I know God's going to bring me through it. So I'm not going to let the pain chase me away from running God's way. Amen? That, that, that's the point I'm trying to drive home. And then you want to know, there's another side to this too. You want to know when it comes to walking out the fulfillment of God's best, you, you know, in, in any, in really any area of life, there is either the pain of discipline I'll do it God's way. I'll discipline myself under God's commands, God's ways, or there's the pain of regret, right? We could look at it with finances. There's the pain of discipline of saying, I'll manage my finances in such a way so that when years later, I'll be so glad because my finances will have started to work for me. Or there's the pain of regret that says, I sure wish I would have done that, you know? Uh, for me, there, there's the pain of, do I say no to the pizza and yes to the fruit salad? You know, the, the, the pain of discipline? Or do I get on the scale the next day after the pizza and say, oh, the pain of regret? Right? I mean, there, this is like a principle all throughout. And certainly, how much more is at stake when we're talking spiritually? You know, Lord, you're calling me to walk in obedience. You're calling me to trust you. Do I throw in the towel? Do I keep walking with you? It's just beautiful from Isaiah 61.3. talks about uh, the Lord uh, providing for those who will grieve in Zion. To, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So uh, when in the crucible, we can try to avoid the pain, um, but we can choose either the pain of discipline, sacrifice, and purpose, like I said, or the pain of regret. And again, Paul uh, exemplified that so well. Still tracking with me, amen? All right, so let, let's look on to the next one. People with unshakable faith uh, will... Uh, look at the storm, trial, or crucible and let God show them unconventional answers to the problem. Right? How many, how many know that when, when uh, all throughout the word of God, when there's a problem, uh, God's response is as unique as each individual situation. 
you know, we could just see it over and over and over again. God comes up with these unique things on how people are, you know, and so we need to listen for him. What I'm saying is when we, when we look at the problem, again, the problem is not the problem. When we look at the problem, and, and I think that's why sometimes the Lord will say, hey, see how this looks impossible? It's not because God is the God of the impossible, right? So Moses is up against the Red Sea. And God says, hey, how about we do something we never did before? How about I split the sea in half and you guys walk right through on dry ground? You know, that's definitely unconventional. That's definitely out of the box, you know, uh, very, very unique. All these different times uh, we see throughout Old Testament and New Testament, the, the, the cool things that God did. And so this will always start with seeing things biblically. Second uh, Corinthians 4, 8 to 10, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So again, what a great picture of, hey, all this stuff is going on around us, but you know what? We're not put out by these things because we know God has an example. And and boy, we could think of so many testimonies of individuals that have gone through things. Maybe in the natural, they would look and they'd say, man, that's terrible. And God didn't do that terrible thing. But what God did do is heal that person and bring them through the other side of it. And now on the other side of that, the unconventional solution that God has is that person becomes a minister of grace to other people that are dealing in that area. Haven't you seen people who God has given a ministry that's come out of the place of pain, the place of uh, sorrow in their lives, and now God has worked through, and together with the Lord, they get to bring God's hand and God's healing to those situations. Uh, Another thought about people of unshakable faith realize that storms, trials, and crucibles, they can sometimes come by failure, and they can sometimes cause failure. God doesn't want it to be something that causes failure in our lives, but what, what I want to address here is sometimes we're in a storm because we made the mess. And we got to be able to own it and say, Lord, did I, am I reaping what I've sown? You know, again, we have a culture that wants to tell us about everything that goes on in our lives. And by the way, nothing that we do wrong is our fault, right? Isn't it crazy how much our culture is absolutely screaming that message? That is not a biblical message. Thank God for the message that we are redeemed and we're saved and God's mercies are new every morning. But, you know, there are temporal consequences to, you know, if we behave crummy toward people, it's probably going to affect our relationships, You know, so if we look and we say, well, hey, here's a mess. Did I sow this? You know, so what I'm saying is we we have to, which is why we have to go back and know God's will. You know, if we see something, if, if God's perfect will about something is being attacked in our lives, then we know we can stand against that, right? And, and um, you know, so we take a look here, and if there's a lesson to learn, we say, all right, Lord, well, I repent, and God's going to forgive. And we say, now, what do I, repentance isn't sorrow, Amen. How many know repentance isn't sorrow? It might include sorrow, but repentance is, it's two things, to come in agreement with God and then to turn around and move in the other direction. You know, so when we say, Lord, I come into repentance, it's Lord, you're right, your way of doing this is the way I should do it. And now I'm turning, that is bearing the fruit of repentance. So sometimes we have a crucible, man, it's the bed we've made. 
you know, and now, and there might be some temporal stuff to walk through, but God will forgive. God will draw us close to him. And and again, back to what I said earlier, uh, we have seen God take people that in their greatest failure, God has redeemed and healed uh, the, the, the wrong choices in their lives and allowed them to now be a testimony for the Lord, oftentimes in that area. The thing that the enemy meant to take that person out is the very thing that God uses to depopulate hell. Isn't that awesome how God will do that? You know, but we have to make sure that we look and say, all right, what do I need to take away from this? Sometimes the testing uh, comes back to Proverbs 17.3, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. So sometimes there's a refining, there's a testing out of what we say we believe, and we just have to walk through it, and it's uncomfortable, and we, and we get through to the other side. Remember, there's always two destinies uh, vying for our, our life, for our pathway. It's the enemies to steal, kill, and destroy, and it's God's that we would have life and have it more abundantly. All right, uh, and then one more, and then we're going to talk about some things just real briefly and how, how we can respond in a crucible. So one more truth here. People of unshakable faith are aware that how they handle the storm affects the people around them. I just think that's so good to remember. I can think so many times, you know, in my household thinking, man, my kids are watching. I have to rise to the occasion. You know, I have to, I, ha- I, I, I want to, man, I want to cower I want to complain. I want to just flake out, but I can't because I got to be an example to my kids, to, to, to the folks that, that I do life with. And sometimes that can be something just as we add all these ingredients that we're talking about where we just say, man, I'm going to keep on keeping on. I have to keep on keeping on. In those moments where in the natural we might feel kind of shaky, you know. And, and let me just say something about, you know, regardless You know, we can look at life and say, hey, this particular season, this particular whatever, this just didn't turn out the way I had planned, the way I expected, the way it looked, right? Wouldn't we all agree that was basically 2020? You know, I know I sat there November and December of 2019. I prayed. I wrote out goals. I figured out pathways, all these things. And I said, well, glory to God, Lord, this is going to be so good. And that was out the window, middle of February. Plan A went bye-bye in February. So what do we do? Well, whatever is before us, in my mind, maybe that's plan B. But guess what? In God's hands, now that's plan A. I didn't see the bigger picture, but God does. Right? How about Joseph? I'm sure Joseph, when he went out to see his brothers and check up on his brothers, right? How many know the story? He did not see that going the way it did. I'm sure he had a plan for the rest of the day. In fact, he had these visions, right? These pictures of everybody bowing down before him. I'm sure he had all figured out what that was going to look like. You know, I'll be taking over the family business and I just can't imagine, you know, and he's in, he's in a pit, thrown in a pit by his brother saying, this is not how I expected today to go. Plan B becomes plan A because now he's sold into slavery. But you know what? He, he assigned meaning to this. The meaning is God is with me. The meaning is I will not forsake serving and loving and listening for his voice. And what happens? God works. And now here in Potiphar's house, he goes to the, to the top you know, of leading the house. And then he's falsely accused of of basically trying to rape Potiphar's wife. And now he's thrown in prison. 
So, you know, he's probably worked out. This is a pretty nice plan B. I'm overseer over everything in Potiphar's house. Not bad for a guy who was thrown in a pit. And now he's back in prison, plan B. But guess what? In God's hands, whatever he thought plan A was, plan B is now plan A. And he continues to serve and trust. And God gives him visions, you, you know, uh, that, that wind up, you know, uh, for, for the, uh, the uh, cupbearer and, and uh, for, the, for, for his two guys, yeah. And, and, um, and, and so things come to pass just as he says. And he says, hey, don't forget me. He said, look what God did in my life. Surely I'm out of this prison. But they forget about him. Looks like plan A of getting out of this, this hole is, is not uh, happening. Plan B becomes plan A, and he's in there a little longer and a little longer until finally all things are lined up in God's hands, and now he's out of prison. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. I'm, I'm doing like, what, like 20 chapters in about three minutes here, you know? And, and, and Joseph winds up becoming, uh, you know, second in command to Pharaoh, you know, second in command to the most powerful guy in the most powerful empire on the earth because he didn't lose sight of trusting God uh, and, and doing things God's way, recognizing that whatever seems like a, a plan B can absolutely be God's plan A. Even if we say, hey, you might say, well, 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 Jim, what if plan B is in place because I messed up? God will still take your plan B and make it a world-class plan A. If you'll repent, you know, and say, hey, God, I give this over to you and I'll listen. I'll bear that fruit of repentance. He will absolutely do that. Isn't that good news? All right. Praise God. So as we wrap up here, so, so basically what do we do in this scenario? I would encourage us, you know, whenever the storms are, are here, take charge of the narrative. Take charge of what's being written. You do it according to faith and trust in God rather than grabbing on to victimhood. James 1, 2 and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. In the New King James, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Patience, perseverance, two very important things for God in our spiritual growth. So, uh, in the natural, we want to jump to why did this happen? Why is this happening? Why did this go down this way? Whatever it is, uh, we want to instead say, move from why to what. Sometimes the why will make sense. Sometimes it won't. It's really irrelevant from God's kingdom perspective. The why isn't as big a deal uh, as what is it you want to do, God? What is it that you want me to do? If we stick with the what and stay off the why, we'll be able to stay in a place of unshakable faith. So, and, and also too, let's remember that a crisis always reintroduces a person to themselves. You know, a crisis always puts a mirror before us. So we'll see where things are on track. We'll see where things aren't on track. But Margaret Thatcher, I love what she said, in the crucible, iron enters the soul. And slowly, when the heat comes on, turns into steel. So when we look in that mirror, we might be saying, ah, man, there's some iron here, but hey, if I'll get with God and keep my eyes on him, he'll turn that iron into steel. Also remember that sometimes God will use the storm or the crucible to help you find your voice. Help you find your voice in him. 
again, there's, there's Daniel, there's the Hebrew children, there's Joseph. Uh, and then, you know, just in our, you know, modern day history, there's Lincoln found, found his voice right after all that failure that he went through, he found his voice, you know, as president during the civil war. How about Churchill in world war II? That was a guy, he found his voice for the time that God called him to. He's called each of us to such a time as this. And there's our voice in him that he wants us to know clearly and be able to faithfully walk out. All right, let me wrap up. First Peter 1, 5 to 7 says, Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you may greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Remember always in God's hands, whatever the enemy has meant for the fire, for the trial, for the storm, God is always looking to see that he would be glorified in our lives. Church, I know that this was not, this is just not a happy joy type of, uh, you know, topic for us to mull over today, but I pray your hearts would be so deeply encouraged. We need not fear the storm as we walk through with God. We need not fear the crucible. We need not fear whatever feels uncomfortable, whatever, whatever would feel kind of painful as we would just recognize that we're wrapping this series up on unshakable faith. Man, if we will know God and stay full of his word, then as those things come, we won't be those that think it's strange when that fiery trial comes upon us. Instead, we'll say, doesn't matter, God's bringing me through. Amen. God's bringing us through. God's bringing us through. God's bringing us through. God's bringing us through. Can you say amen? God's bringing us through. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Amen. So, Father, we thank you that regardless of what comes our way, greater are you in us than he that's in the world. We thank you that all of your promises are yes and amen. And so once again, Lord, we're saying that our eyes are fixed on you. And, Lord, that it is our heart, it's our purpose, it's our intention to know you and to be those that are filled with your word. And we pray, Holy Spirit, today, would you just fill and move in this congregation. Fill us to overflowing today. Help us to be those that bring glory to God in all that we do, all that we say, all that we think. God, we thank you. Lord, uh, with fresh resolve moving forward, circumstances will not be what drive the way we live. It's your character, your word, your calling. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.